Welcome to the Clampdown, Operation Wikipedia, Censorship, Global Control, with VT's Senior Editor, Dr. Kevin Barrett, right here, right now, on VT Radio. Let's go. With host, Johnny Punish. Hey, this is VT Radio. I'm on back on with Dr. Kevin Barrett, all the way in Wisconsin. How's it going today, Dr. Kevin Barrett? It's going pretty good. We've got enough snow to cross-country ski on, barely, and the temperature's finally down below freezing, so it's not slushy, so I can ski around, so I'm happy. Fantastic. Well, as I uh, will tell you, I got my coffee early because I just literally woke up here. It's uh, 8 in the morning here in uh, in the Pacific West, uh, coast of Mexico, and I'm just having my coffee, so if I sound a little slow, please uh, bear with me. Is that cool? You, you sound like the coffee's already working. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's a VT cup. That's why. <laughs> there you go. It's got the, It's really the cup. It's not what's in it. Exactly. Okay, Dr. Kevin Barrett. So tell us what's happening. Uh, what are you working on? What's going on this week? Uh, tell us what's, what's with the stories. What's going on? Well, you know, there's always more than enough to talk about. But I, the first thing that pops to, into my mind is that every week I start collecting stories for the next Saturday's False Flag Weekly News. This Saturday, it's going to be E. Michael Jones. Uh, so one story that just jumped out at me this morning, uh, I, I, am on, you know, I get the digest from the leading, uh, publishers, you know, Washington post and New York times and, and these people. So the Washington post sent out at the that's top, you know, front page news digest story is that Jacinda Adairn is, has been victimized by this horrible populist politics in New Zealand. And it, it said that she's the victim of anti-establishment hate, which is a whole new category of hate crime, apparently, is, is if you're against the establishment, you're committing a hate crime. And it, it struck me as, you know, is this what the 60s generation has come to? You know, they've become not the people that their parents warned them against, but they've become the people that they, uh, the parents that they warned each other against, except worse, because the 60s parents never said that being against the establishment was a hate crime. Maybe they didn't like it when their kids were against the establishment, but they didn't charge them with a hate crime. So things right. are getting really strange, aren't they? That's awful. I mean, as you probably know, I'm dealing with that Wikipedia nonsense uh, uh, from all these all these weird people out there with political agendas. The Internet's become a soup of weirdness out there. Um, what can I say? It's just it's when I first started on the Internet in 2004, it was open. It was free. You can speak. You can do whatever you want and uh, create stuff. And it was very innovative. And now uh, fast forward to 2023. For me, my experience has been uh, terrible. Um, I'm dealing with Google and, and Microsoft and um, Wikipedia and Facebook, and they've all done censorship and they don't give reasons. PayPal, PayPal's the worst. They used to be great. Uh, and they just canceled my account with no reason. I'm sure it's related to VT. I'm, I'm positive. I don't know that because they won't tell you. Oh, you know, and that reminds me, I uh, just, uh, was it two days ago, I think, or maybe a day and a half ago, I got an email from somebody working for NewsGuard, and they want to interview VT editors about, uh, you know, VT. And then they listed these stories that VT has published that they wanted to interview people about. And I think one of them was something I could pretty easily talk about having to do with, uh, I think it was a Holocaust revisionist article. Uh, and I think I had interviewed the author about it. So anyway, so yeah, I, I, I emailed back and said, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to talk with you, but uh, I do have this policy that all 
you know, I record all interviews and reserve the right to use them in my own broadcast. Right. So I haven't heard back from her. Ah, <laughs> because you're thinking they maybe want to edit it out. You're the stuff they don't like or what? Well, yeah, just like the FBI, you know, it was the same thing when the FBI wanted to talk to me about my uh, plans to go to Iran, which they basically forced me to cancel by saying that those of us who went to a New Horizon conference sponsored by this NGO would uh, be arrested uh, when we set foot on uh, <laughs> on the tarmac when we returned from Iran. So anyway, they, but they wanted to talk to me. And I said, sure, but I need to be able to record at least what I say so it won't be misrepresented. And, and that's been my policy ever since I learned how misrepresented you can be when you talk to the media. And I hear the FBI is pretty much the same way. You know, they go after people. And if it's only the FBI guy just taking notes and you're talking to him, you know, God knows what he's writing down that you supposedly said. And there's no proof that you said anything differently. So, so yeah, I, I think it's a good idea whenever you do any kind of interview where you really care about how you come off looking uh, to record it. And then the uh, bonus is that when these people like the news guard person, whoever uh, interviews me, and then, you know, if, if, when they distort my words, I can publish the entire uh, recording or transcript, and then I can single out selected places to show where they've been distorting it. So that's just been my policy for years and years now. And uh, apparently that's not good enough for news guard because I haven't heard back. Yeah, well, that's an excellent policy. Uh, as you know, with uh, with Wikipedia, they I responded to them actually. I actually went on there as an editor, and I I left all the junk in there that they had in there, all their ridiculous stuff, misrepresenting the facts because it's really the opinions of these other people about VT. It's not facts. It's just I think VT is anti-Semitic. I think VT is a Russian agent. I think VT is this. no evidence whatsoever. They just said so, and then Wiki lets them publish it. So I went in there as an editor. I said, no, you got all the facts wrong. Number one, it's we're not founded in 2003. It's 2004. Number two, you know, I'm the founder and the owner. Number three, this is what, what it is. Number four, VT is, not, is an open source, uncensored for international writers around the world. We have different sets of opinions. There's all kinds of stuff on there. Um, and then I responded to each individual uh, charge, anti-Semitism. And I rewrote it for them. I said, look, this is what they're saying. This is what it is. This is what they're saying. This is what it is. And I posted evidence of articles. So I had this whole thing written up. And uh, it was really, I thought it was well-written and, and, and appropriate. And it was fair. It allowed for them to have critique of us, which is fair. You can you can, you can can say stuff about me if you want or, or you. Please do. You know, we, we're open like that. You can call us names if you want to, right? Um, but uh, so I, pu I published it and it published. So I, it was nighttime. It was maybe 10 o'clock at night. I wake up in the morning, gone. Right. Yeah, see, this I, I, this same thing happened to me dozens of times, uh, starting in 2007, I think it was, when I got slandered on Wikipedia with total lies and then a whole lot of misinformation that, you know, maybe I don't know whether they intentionally got it wrong. I counted like, something like almost 40 uh, wrong factual items in my Wikipedia biography, and I couldn't right. correct them. Same thing happened. Stay up yeah. at night, post it. By the morning, it's gone. Yeah, the, guy, the the editor of Wikipedia or somebody emailed me and said, "We can't allow this because you're you're the you're related to VT." Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, obviously I am. So so I'm related to VT, and I'm that's how you know the facts. Me the facts, right? See, I couldn't correct stuff. I, I couldn't correct my Wikipedia biography, which said that I was from a Lutheran background from Minnesota, and in fact, uh, it'd be more of a Unitarian background from Wisconsin. But I couldn't correct that because. I'm me, and I know the facts about myself, and they want to put out something that somebody made up, I guess. 
<laughs> Professor, I, I'm de deadly serious. What is this? I mean, Wikipedia has now become the encyclopedia for the generations, at least it has been for the last, well, I don't know, 15 years that I can remember since it first started. Um, you know, in the old days, we used to go to the encyclopedia, you know, Webster's Encyclopedia. Remember that? We used mm -hmm. to get the books on the shelves. Remember those days? And, you know, open up and it tells you all about uh, Thailand. You get to read about Thailand. Oh, Thailand's cool, you know. Hopefully in those days it was written by editors that were serious, you know, about putting facts in, hopefully. Um, but they had c competition, you know. There was different different types of encyclopedias. So we, you would think they would do something right. But Wikipedia is terrible. I mean, they're not letting me tell the facts of my own thing, of, of what I've been part of for 18 years. They, they won't let you do it. Uh, explain that to me. How is this happening? Yeah, it's, it's odd. There's, there's actually no way that you can correct the misinformation. I actually ended up publishing this article documenting, it was almost, I don't know if it was 37 or 39, but it was almost 40 incorrect factual statements. Many of them stuff like uh, that I'm supposedly a Lutheran from Minnesota and this kind of thing. It's just totally insane stuff. I don't know where they came up with it. And, uh, and then of course the stuff that originally got me interested in fixing it was that they claimed that I was a supporter of three notorious Holocaust deniers. And the truth was that I had never even heard of two of them. And, then the, <laughs> and the third was uh, David Irving. I'd heard of him, but at that point I hadn't yet read him and I had no opinion of him. But they made this a prominent part of my Wikipedia biography because obviously somebody didn't like what I was saying about 9-11. So they wanted to try and discredit me. And then this showed up like in my local hometown newspaper. You know, I, was, I ran for Congress. The local newspaper does a big story. And the first thing they put is, oh, he's a Holocaust denier. And I, I contacted them and said, wait a minute. Said, well, it's in Wikipedia. It must be true. Oh, so you think I'm a Lutheran from Minnesota and, and all of this other stuff, these other 39 items that are just factually wrong. But, hey, it's Wikipedia, so it must be true. It's almost like a Philip K. Dick novel when you have to, you know, there's no way you can possibly convince the world that you're actually a Unitarian from Wisconsin who has never heard of these two Holocaust deniers. <laughs> it's incredible. It's an incredible world. It's a bizarre world right now. Seriously. So yeah. I'm frustrated personally uh, on the internet because I started this whole thing because I wanted to say truth. You know, that's all. No, I'm not a Holocaust denier. I'm not a weird person. I'm just a person that is saying, okay, let's explore the truth. What's happening out there, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and deal with that. And, and even well, Wikipedia turned me into a Holocaust denier. Although I wouldn't, you know, when I wrote that article, I am a Holocaust denier, it was ironic. But now <laughs> Wikipedia on the entry for Ron Unz claims that uh, the reason that Ron Unz has become so controversial and, and, you know, become a Holocaust skeptic and so on is because he was under the, you know, he said that he started publishing this guy, Kevin Barrett, who is a Holocaust denier. So if you follow the footnote, the footnote goes to the VT article, I am a Holocaust denier that was published on April 1st as a sort of April Fool's Day ironic joke in which I, you know, talk about like, uh, you know, I, I deny that the, this or that or the other. It's all, it's a, it's a obviously ironic, but Wikipedia takes it as if I was like straightforwardly saying I am a Holocaust denier on, on April 1st. So you know, incredible. what can you do? Well, so, so yeah, incredible. I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you I probably haven't told you this before, but because uh, there's so much always going on, right? But in 2015, I was contacted, no, 2017? 2017 must have been. Uh, yeah, 2017. Contacted by Bloomberg News. 
they uh, had information that I was a Russian agent, that I was uh, related to the Russians, and I almost fell off my chair laughing. This guy sends me an email. So, but, um, but is that not true, comrade? <laughs> yeah, right. Communist, right? <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, I thought it was a joke and, uh, because, you know, I, as you know, I'm here in uh, northern Mexico. I, I'm a U.S. citizen, um, born in New York City. I, I don't know. I, I don't Nothing think to do whatsoever with Russia. <laughs> no, never even been there. <laughs> I don't think I know anybody from Russia. So anyway, long story short, I, I started laughing. I go, are you serious? He goes, no, no, I'm really serious. I'm like, you are? Like, oh, okay, well, let's deal with that. So he started going on and on and on. I said, I'll talk to you. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll do you one better. Why don't you come over and visit me? Because, you know, I'm right here next to the U.S. border, you know. Um, I don't know where he is at, somewhere or whatever. He's, uh, you know, American, right, Bloomberg News. Come on over. I go, I'll be more than happy to, you know, sit down and have coffee with you. You can ask me all the questions you want. I'll tell you the truth. But, like, as you said, <laughs> I'm going to record it because, you know, I don't need this bullshit like he – you know, this nitpicking stuff they're going to do, you know, and just take pieces out of it. And uh, I said, I'll, I'll show you my tax returns. You want to see you want to see my bank statements? No problem, buddy. I'll show them to you in person. I'm not going to send them over the wires, you know. You come over, I'll show you my tax returns and bank statements. You're not going to see a damn thing on there that's related. To be honest, VT hardly makes any money. It, it makes enough money to pay for the freaking servers and that, that, that kind of thing. That's it. I don't make my money off VT. I, I made my money a long time ago, uh, before the internet, I did really well, as I've told you before. Um, I also started HireVeterans.com, which you can look it up now if you want to, everybody. Um, that company was run for about uh, 17 years. and It was sold in 2021 in December to a, a big, large veterans company uh, that does claims for U.S. veterans. We've helped. I actually helped a lot of veterans get jobs. I was really proud of that. Uh, and that company was a... Um, turned into a business that was a for-profit enterprise, but it's not VT. So I was like, come on, VT is a voluntary thing. That's why I started it. It's not, there's no money in this. Heck, we've been blacklisted by everybody. Nobody wants to advertise with us because of what Facebook says and Google says about us. And believe me, the, the major advertisers won't touch us. Like, for example, I, I got a, a message from Quicken Loans or Quicken, the company Quicken, I think it's called, Intuit. And apparently it's run by a Zionist. He was pissed because, you know. Oh, man. So, 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 so even the Jewish uh, loan sharks uh, you know, trying, yes. to, trying to, you know, give you paycheck loans for, yeah. you know, 10,000%. I, I would definitely refer to them as Zionists. Uh, he, even he, freaking he, uh, Shylock is boycotting you. Yes. They, they <laughs> actually told trouble. me. Well, well, actually what happens, they wanted to, to buy some advertising on VT. Their underling that, you know, was just a regular worker guy. And he goes, I want to buy advertising. Okay, I'll sell you some advertising. We'll put that on you. You know, it's quick and it's loans or something, whatever. This is uh, five, seven years ago. And I said, I'm sure I'll do it. And uh, then we got a message from their CEO, the big honcho, whoever it was, you know. No, we can't advertise you for your anti-Israeli policy. I'm like, what anti-Israeli policy? We critique the state of Israel for shitty policies because you don't like them? Okay, that's fair, you know. But that's what it, that's what it comes that's, out to. That's pretty hilarious. So this usurer who's is putting out these these gouging, you know, blood sucking loans for these poor for the poor working schmucks who can't quite make it to the next paycheck. He's the one who's boycotting you uh, right. because you're. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious out there. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 just this mockery of a mockery of a comedy. I'm talking. My neighbors who are from Canada, they're they're laughing at me. They're calling me a communist because they, they've known me for mm. twenty years, you know. And they're laughing at me, and my wife's laughing at me, going, you're a communist, you're a Russian agent, you know, I have nothing to do with Russia. But, you know, at the time, um, and still to this day, the Ukraine war is going on, and so so VT writers do write about this issue, 
and maybe feels like sometimes they're pro-Russian or pro-this or whatever they're doing. Um, but VT actually is an open source, uncensored place for international writers. You're going to have differences of opinion. You're going to have writers from all over the world. They're not necessarily uh, from the United States. So um, you have I mean, to deal with mo- that. Most of us are, are anti-war, you know, yes. which a lot of us would feel exactly the same way about this war in Russia through Ukraine as we felt about the Vietnam War. And at that time, somebody would accuse you of being pro-communist or pro-Vietnam, I suppose, because you say this war is just completely unjust. This is wrong. This is a you know, case of raw imperialist power going out and slaughtering huge numbers of people unnecessarily. It should never have started. It shouldn't be continued. We should end this war immediately. That'd be the same position with that war, with the Iraq uh, war after after the 9-11 false flag. Same thing with this particular war on Russia. You know, the United States just has a habit of waging unjust wars. And it used to be that if you were anti-war, there was a certain kind of respect for you, right? In most cases. Yeah. Some people would, would, you know, say you were a darn, you know, commie rat traitor or whatever. But I think the mainstream media ended up being pretty respectful of the Vietnam peace movement towards the end. And a lot of the establishment agreed. But since then, it seems, especially since 9-11, I think 9-11 was part, really a kind of a transformation of the United States from being a quasi-liberal democracy, you know, at least the charade was still being going strong, but it was kind of like what Frank Zappa said, but at some point, they're going to just, you know, tear down all of the scenery, and you're going to see the brick wall at the back of the theater, and I think it's been kind of like that since uh, since 9-11, so now... If you criticize an unjust war, you're suddenly a, a you must be a Russian agent and a traitor. It couldn't possibly be that you've just noticed that the war is unjust, right? You know, for, for the record, um, from my perspective as the person who's behind the scenes pushing buttons and making sure it's free space for everybody, um, I, I disagree with a lot of opinions of VT writers. Uh, sometimes I'm like, wow, I, I don't agree with that position at all. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, me too, actually. But, but but yeah, but I have to say, you know what? That's okay. You know, that's part of free having a free internet, having a person expressly free themselves, uh, freely express themselves. So I have to honor that. And that's the reason why VT exists, you know? So mm-hmm. um, that's part of it. And I stand by that, even if I disagree with someone's position, which I normally do. I mean, heck, I've been married 37 years. I disagree with my wife half the time, right? You know, mm-hmm. she, of course, she disagrees with me all the time. <laughs> so right. I think it's part of respecting other person's space, you know, and this idea mm-hmm. of the clampdown clamping down on people just because they have an opinion about something is a, is a very strange place to be. It's very dangerous. I will give credit to Bloomberg News after he did investigate me personally, which, you know, I didn't appreciate, but okay, you investigated me. He didn't find anything because there is nothing, right? So he finally called me and said, no, we're not going to run a story on you. Okay, good. And he probably went on to the next thing. You know, at the time, it was the Trump administration just got in. There was the Mueller investigation and there was a lot of stuff going on with Donald Trump and Russian mm-hmm. this and that, right? Mm-hmm. So they were looking for Russians, you know, under rocks everywhere, right? And, and that was weird because the preponderance of opinion at VT at that time, led by people like Gordon Duff and Jim Dean, was very rapidly anti-Trump. I mean, yes, at least as anti-Trump as the mainstream establishment was. Yeah, it was weird, and uh, that's what happened. And I don't remember the guy's name; it's probably on my email. I'll have to look it up. But whatever it was, to his credit, I will say, whoever he is out there, if he's listening out there. Uh, he didn't write the story about me, which thank you. You know, I do appreciate it because at least, you know, if you didn't tell the truth about me, at least you didn't tell a lie about me. I do appreciate yeah. that. Um, but these guys at Wikipedia, was it, uh, who was it? The Southern Poverty Law Center. I mean, normally I, I, I'm a, I'm a anti-war person. I'm a 
pro-human person. I'm, a, you know, I'm an ML King guy. Uh, I believe in human rights, uh, respect for other people. These are my personal values, you know. And so normally, uh, I, I agree with their positions on the issues of social justice, right? Well, what's this? What, what's this calling us anti-Semite? What, what's this nonsense about? You know, what the heck? Are you well, kidding that's me? The, what, what the Southern Poverty Law Center really is is it's it's a group that purports to be supporting poor black people in the South against the evil white racists. And my parents actually used to donate it, uh, donate to them on that basis. But in reality, what it is, is it's a scam designed to make huge amounts of money for the people running the outfit. And their main purpose is to go after anybody who opposes Israel. So these are, let's face it, the reality is that those people, Morris Dees founded it, He's a, a fat, rich, Jewish, ultra-Zionist, meaning, you know, fanatical, genocidal, anti-Palestinian, racist, lawyer, and scam artist. And he started that thing as a scam to convince the rich white liberals to give him money so he would be rich and live this lavish lifestyle and run interference for Israel. And so they, the, the serious stuff that they did was always to try, you know, if if there was any problem for Israel, boom, that's what they would police. It's kind of like the same thing with Martin Luther King, right? Martin Luther King had these uh, friendly liberal Jewish advisors and stuff. And then when he didn't go all out for Israel the way they told him to, that may have been one of the many items that led to him getting executed. Of course, I, I think his anti-war stance was probably, his anti-Vietnam war stance was more important. But it's there has been this problem, you know, and they call they call us anti-Semites when we talk about this. But we're just trying to talk about it honestly, and I'd be I'm happy to talk about it with anybody, including people who have different viewpoints. And I have sometimes, and it's usually been pretty collegial and cordial. And they don't really have that much of a problem with what I'm saying, other than as uh, Duvid, who's a Jewish uh, YouTuber that I had this discussion with, he said, you know. Uh, I, I said, well, you know, dude, why, why do you think all of these really powerful Jewish organized interests are persecuting me for having saying this thing, things I've been saying with you that you don't have a problem with? And he, he said, well, you know, he said, I think ultimately what it boils down to is that they just don't, they really don't like your narrative. They have, you know, they're terrified by your narrative. And of course, I would add the reason is that it's true and they don't want to look in the mirror. Absolutely true. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, I would do anything to interview somebody who doesn't agree with my position on this issue of Semitism, anti-Semitism. I'd love to have that debate with anybody. I've tried to invite people. They just won't come on. They just won't talk to me. It's just I haven't had it, haven't had it yet. But I'm hoping somebody who's vehement, vehemently out there pushing this ridiculous narrative that we're anti-Semite or whatever, come talk to me. Come on my podcast. Let's talk about that. I want to hear your position. I want to talk to you face to face. I want you to tell me to my face because I know for a fact I'm not anti-Semite. I'm definitely not anti-Jewish. I'm definitely not anti-religion. You know, I respect people's religions. Uh, if you're Muslim, if you're Christian, if you're Jewish or pagan or Sikh, uh, you have my respects. Um, we're all looking for uh, a way to explain the world around us. We're all looking for a way to try to to try to explain what, why are we here? What is our existence? What are we doing here? And personal faith is awesome. But ch changing personal faith into a political agenda is not awesome, right? It turns into a mess, right? So um, that's my problem with religion is that when it turns into that, I mean, if you're very spiritual, awesome, man. I mean, I think it's so fantastic, right? Um, but turning it into, I have the right to go kill somebody over there because he's not my religion. And uh, that's what God told me to do. I got a big problem with that. And I certainly got a big problem with 
these people calling us anti-Semites when we're not. We're not. We're, I'm actually, my mother's a Semite, as I told you before. You know, she's born in Haifa, Palestine, 1939. And I think I told you the story before, but I'll tell you again. When she, I asked her mom when I was a little kid, because we were Palestinian, right? My mom's Palestinian. Should I hate Jewish people? She, she got mad at me. She said, are you kidding? No, absolutely not. And she explained to me, she goes, when I was a little kid in Haifa, uh, we're Christian. Across the street is a Jewish girl and across the street is a Muslim girl. And we go out in the street. We all play together. We have fun together. We don't hate each other. We love each other. We're family. We're neighbors. We're friends. And he goes, only later when these adults come in from outside telling us we're supposed to hate each other, all of a sudden we hate each other? It's not correct. It's not, and she used to speak in a broken English, right? Because she didn't speak English. You could say, in, in Arabic, you use the endearing terms like mama and baba, which is like uh, mom and dad. A mom would call you mom. So she'd say to me, mama, you can't speak to people like that. That's the, the wrong thing. Please respect other people, you know? So I've always had that value within me because my mom is from Israel, okay? What is called Israel now. She was born in Palestine. And she, 1948, uh, they, the, the Haganah uh, came in and stole their home. They were kicked out of their home in Haifa, and they were sent uh, across the border to Lebanon in 1948 in refugee camps for 12 years. And they were lucky to emigrate to the United States uh, in, in 1961 because my grandmother, uh, who was Palestinian, happened to be born in San Paulo, Brazil. And the reason was in, in the early 1900s, they were taking Palestinians to the mines to work in San Paulo uh, to, to do the work for about 10 years. So her family took her was that was working and she was born there and then of course they went back to to palestine to live and so she had a, a a passport from brazil so when they when the u.s turned her down from being a palestinian she said i'm not palestinian i'm brazilian okay and oh you're from brazil come on in so she brought her and all her kids my mom at the time was 22 years old and so you know with a little bit of uh fudging the paper she turned into a little less than 21 so she was allowed to come to the United States barely, um, and uh, that's that's how our, our family got to America. So I'm I'm first generation American. Mm -hmm. So you don't sound like what you'd be one of these white right wing extremists and uh, <laughs> you know white nationalists who wants to build the wall and keep everybody out. No, not a lot. My wife, you're on the other side of the wall now. Yeah, my wife and I'm over here, and that's, that's another funny story. Uh, my uh, I'm over here in Mexico. My wife is Mexican. Uh, half of our family can't travel to the United States because of lousy immigration policies, right? Even my, my daughter-in-law can't travel. I mean, she's married to my son. He's an American citizen. She cannot go to the United States. So really, I have some really strong, yeah, really. Um, they turned her down. She waited a whole year for, 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 she tried to do it the right way. She wasn't trying to go over the wall. She went yeah. to the U.S. consulate to get an interview. It took her one year to get the interview. And they go there, the interviewer, and they turned her down. She asked why. They wouldn't tell her. Uh, okay. And, and so they have a daughter uh, who is American citizen, okay, because uh, we got the paperwork for the daughter, even the daughter was born in Mexico. You can do that. Right before Trump tried to cancel that idea. And, um, and she can't go. So when it, talk, when it comes to immigration, I'm, I'm very passionate about it because it's, it, it affects my family directly. Half of the people here that you see in, in my area of the world um, have been deported, uh, most of them because they're workers. They've built homes, they, they're framers, they're plumbers, they're whatever they are, and they might have worked 15 years in the United States and got deported for whatever reason. They built your homes in America, you know? So I got some really passionate uh, positions on that. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's a tough world out there. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. ironic that this uh, this smear job against, uh, what are they calling it now, the, the, uh, the anti-establishment hate 
right? That uh, anybody who questions the establishment about anything is being lumped as part of a hate movement. And it's assumed that such people must be rabidly pro-Trump. They must be white. They must be white racists. Uh, you know, they, they, they must, uh, be very, you know, totally part of this mega movement, which is so apparently feared. Uh, and in fact, VT, when it, as you said, when it got persecuted and investigated the most, it was right at that point when it was actually pretty much on board with, if not even more extreme than the mainstream attacking Trump. Now, personally, I, I, yeah. Yeah, Gordon Duff was all over Trump, right? Yeah, to say the least. Oh and, my goodness, I'm, I'm reading yeah. that going, I don't like Trump either, but Gordon, take it easy on this dude, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. right. And, and then, you know, and, and Jim Dean, of course, had the same view. And so the majority of what was being seen at VT was was pretty strongly anti-Trump. And yet this Trump-Russia thing led to VT being investigated and persecuted for supposedly being part of this Trump-Russia conspiracy, which which Gordon was, and, and the yeah, VT was mainly right. supporting that conspiracy right. theory, which turned out to probably not be true. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Gordon still thinks it's true. I don't think so. I, I don't think the evidence ever really came up that Trump was some kind of Russian agent. I mean, Trump, uh, whatever he, he was, yeah, he wanted to go to war with China and Iran first and not Russia, so I guess that makes him a Russian agent. But, right. uh, yeah, I think he's more of a Zionist agent than he is a Russian agent. There's there you so. go. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he did everything that Bibi ordered him to do, right? Can you bend over backwards any more than Donald Trump for, for Israel, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a strange, strange time that we're, we're in where these kinds of realities and the nuances associated with realities are, are not getting through. But it's possible, though, that the people that were directing this witch hunt against VT, ultimately their real problem is that VT has built a kind of an international community of writers and thinkers, including a bunch of sort of former government people, some of them pretty high, high level, right? I, you know, I was able to interview the uh, former head of the Pakistani ISI, uh, General Hamid Gul, on my show, one of the most powerful people in Pakistan. And uh, I had another other connections like that through VT. And so Gordon in particular through his line of work with the C blank A, uh, and then his retiring from that, but still kind of moving in this world of the movers and shakers, had a pretty good Rolodex. And so that Rolodex, some of those guys like Gene Khrushchev, who apparently is somewhat related to Nikita, a fairly high-level Russian guy, is you know writing for VT, and people from other countries, some of them in fairly high or from, you know, who move in high circles or have touched those high circles, are involved with VT. And the overall thrust of VT doesn't align with whatever the foreign policy happens to be at the moment. In fact, it's at been the moment. Pretty, yeah, but we've been naysayers pretty because post 9-11, the U.S. foreign policy has just been so bad. So we've had to be pretty much consistent naysayers. I mean, not that it was that great before, but it's just really bad now. And right. so you've got this group of people who network with a bunch of high, fairly powerful, connected people from all over the world who are somehow connected to this entity that has a certain level of, you know, reasonably good sized readership and veterans in particular, people with military backgrounds look at it and what we're putting out has all of those connections and it's really questioning the current foreign policy. And so if you're the, yeah. So if you're the minister of propaganda and you're, (laughs) you're looking at, at, you know, what's going, you know, what's going on in the infosphere in the United States and around the world, 
it might look like VT was kind of scary. Like all of these connected people and they're putting out these critiques. They're putting out some really weird stuff that we don't understand what the heck they're doing it for. But they're also putting out some pretty cogent attacks on the policies that we, the ministers of propaganda, are supposed to be supporting and making sure that everybody supports and nobody deviates from. So that's really what it comes down to is this, you know, basically the, the propaganda ministry is kind of scared by VT. And so they come up with some excuse to come after us. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of where we're at today. I, I, I'm still dealing with it. But it's not just us. Uh, my neighbors are, you know, they're, they're average Joes, right? I mean, they're not involved in international politics or national foreign affairs, nothing like that. They're they're just, you know, other things. You know, they sell stuff, right? So, um, but even them, they're getting hammered by the banks, by PayPal, by all these weird know-your-customer rules. I'll give you an example uh, the world's changed a lot. In the old days, banking used to be like, come come open an account with us. We'll give you a, a toaster if you do it. And we're so happy to have your money. And thank you, sir. I remember my bank and uh, even Wells Fargo back in the old days used to come to my office and they'd bring me a coffee cup and they'd come say hello to me. And like, it was really a good relationship that I had with my bank. Now, man, they, I'm a pariah. I'm like, I'm lucky to be with them. You know, they take a position of, you know, you're lucky to be with us. Um, I have a little bit of money in an account, a uh, little bit of money. I've been talking about it real little. And this know your customer rules, I mean, they are harassing me. Where are you? Where are you from? Show me your invoices. Give me your bank statement. Like, dude, what, what, this is like $1,000. What, what are you talking about? And they're being pressured by the governments to do all this stuff because they're frightened by the governments because the clampdown is heavily on them, regulation or, you know, whatever it is. So it's not just happening to VT in this international sphere, but globally they're clamping down on humanity, I think. What do you think mm -hmm. about that? Yeah, it does seem like... Uh, it, it's, it's hard, though, to know whether there's a sort of an international agreement by people at the highest levels of whatever kind of power that you know, rules the entire world. And so they've decided that we're going to have to build a total global surveillance gulag where every human on Earth is surveilled constantly. And there's a, one theory about why such a thing might be going on is that there may be technologies out there, such as these alleged free energy technologies, that would be very dangerous if they fell into the wrong hands. And guess what? If they're available to a lot of people, that is, if a blueprint for a free energy de device is published on the Internet, and it's the kind of thing that you could throw together in your basement, and it's also the kind of thing that could be used to build a bomb that could take out a city, um, suddenly pretty much anybody in the world, all they have to do is go down to their basement using available materials and they can build the equivalent of a nuclear bomb or the same thing could be true with you know, biological weapons and research. So there's a school of thought that says that, uh, given the potential, uh, the, the destructive potential of a lot of technologies as they advance, that ultimately the world's going to have to become a global gulag where you there's going to be a camera, a little drone with a camera is going to follow you every time you go down to your basement to make sure that you don't nail together one of these free energy devices or you don't have a bio lab in your basement. So that's one theory about that. But I think more likely what's going on is that I don't think there is any such global government. You know, a lot of people think, oh, China, they just play along because they have they part of the SWIFT system. And, okay, so Russia got kicked out of the SWIFT system now, but that's just a charade. They're just going along with an act and so on. The whole thing is a big act. Really, the global controllers, the eye and the Illuminati pyramid, they run everything. I don't think so. I, I, I think more what's really going on is that the, 
the Western Empire, the U.S.-centered empire that used the U.S. military to enforce things, that empire, which is largely run by banksters in the West, by Western money, is on its last legs because U- yeah, U.S. GDP has declined to 10% of global GDP from 60% in 1945 or 50. So they're desperate, and they their purpose, their goal has always been to take over the world and create the first global empire using their system uh, and run by them. And now it's spinning out of their control, and they're desperate, and so they're trying to essentially they they realize or what they, they they've drawn the conclusion that the only way that they're going to succeed in building the first ever one world empire and then be in charge of it is to win world war three because you know historically the only way that huge territorial acquisitions have been made and larger territories have been brought together under one centralized government the only way that's ever happened really uh, to much of any significant extent is through war and so they've recognized that they're gearing up for a world war three to create their world empire. And once they've controlled the world with their empire, yeah, then they're going to have little drones following everybody around uh, to make sure you don't go into your basement, nail together a free energy machine. But at, for now they're getting kind of, they're a little bit getting ready for that. What they're really doing is they're moving to a wartime uh, sta- status, a wartime surveillance system, a wartime propaganda system. So the complete crushing of individual liberties and dissent that we're seeing, this is all about preparing for ever higher, more intense levels of the World War III that we're already in the middle of. And, and you know, Emmanuel Todd, uh, the French uh, sociologist, just published an article. Yes, World War III already began. Uh, more and more people are recognizing this. The uh, COVID bioattack on China and Iran, it was a U.S. neocon bioattack, and read Ranan's book for that. I've already said this a million times. Uh, that was, in some ways, the first shot of World War III. There's going to be endemic biowarfare, and there's even a chance that they're going to uh, do a nuclear first strike on, on Russia, that that's the real plan. I had Philip Kraske on my radio show this week talking about his new article that makes that argument, that, in fact, there's no other way to really interpret what the neocons did in starting this stupid war with Russia uh, through uh, Ukraine that they're guaranteed to lose because Russia is just so much bigger than Ukraine that the only way, the, the, the only rational reason that they might have done this would be if they need a pretext to do a nuclear first strike and they think they can get away with it, you know, with only relatively minimal or acceptable losses on their own side. And that takes out Russia. And now they've got China surrounded. China doesn't have that gas station and mineral supplier and food supplier and all of that and trade route supplier. Suddenly Russia's out of the game. And now they could contain China and uh, basically strangle it and then basically you know, get their global empire. So I think that's what's going on. I, th- I don't think the world is run by one group yet. I think Russia is totally independent, obviously. China is also independent. Uh, Iran is independent, and a great many other countries are even somewhat independent. Uh, Pakistan and Brazil and India, these BRICS countries, South Africa, so many of the rising important countries, including Turkey now, are showing that they're independent. They're they're not following orders to boycott Russia. So we live in a chaotic world. It's not a world that's being run by one eye in the pyramid. It's a world that's actually the centralized control, the level of centralized control is declining not accelerating. And, and and the people who are trying to impose their centralized control on the whole planet are getting ready to ramp up the level of warfare to try to win World War III, and then they'll have the planet, and then they can build their planetary gulag. 
Yeah. I uh, so basically, it's it's a brutal battle at the very top of the heap, and they're you know they need to put their boxing gloves on instead of you know take it out on us. You know what I'm saying? I wish to just give them some boxing gloves. Yeah. Get it out and let's get it over with, right? <laughs> well, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, it, if the if these powers just shot at their command and control centers, and then the leaders all took each other out, the rest of us would probably breathe a sigh of relief. Maybe <laughs> we should start. Uh, well, in fact, you know, I, I I'm thinking of writing a, a satire article. Uh, in which the Heartlanders, those of us in the middle of the continent, uh, we appeal to Putin to go ahead and unleash his radioactive tidal wave weapon and get rid of the coastal elites. Okay. <laughs> that's satire, of course. Let's make sure of that's course, clear. Of course. Yeah, that could be misconstrued. So, yes, uh, satire it, it it's already on Wikipedia. I just checked. It already yeah, yeah. We're, we're Russian agents begging Putin to you know, to use his, his horrible nuclear weapons against America. That's pretty bad. Okay. On that note, Kevin, uh, we're at the end of the show. Uh, tell us what's going on this week for yourself and, and how people can find what you're doing and tell us all about that. Well, I'm always cranking out material at my Substack, which is Kevin Barrett, all run together, dot substack dot com. And then there's false flag weekly news. And you can find that by going to truthjihad.com and, and looking for that false flag weekly news link. And, and can people donate to what you're doing as well to help support what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, this, uh, you, they could actually, if you want to donate directly, you can donate to me through PayPal. Miraculously, I still have PayPal. And that's well, good. Uh, <laughs> you haven't truth, been shut down yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Truthjihad at gmail. Dot com. That's my email, and that's also my PayPal ID, truthjihad, all run together, uh, at gmail.com. Okay, speaking about PayPal, just for a second before I let you go, uh, my PayPal account was open 12 years ago uh, under my corporation, right? Uh, legally, of course, all good. Uh, ran that for 12 years, and I think it was March of this past year. Uh, all of a sudden, I couldn't use it. And I, I called them up and said, what's going on? They said, we closed your account. I said, Why? We don't know. It was just some guy you talked to on the phone, right? It's probably in, who knows where he's located. It's just uh, some customer service rep. He could he couldn't find out why. I never got a reason why. I said, "Can I find out why and and then fix it? What is it? And what's bothering you?" And I've had an account for twelve years, and no recourse, no reason. Screw you. Shut me down. And I'm like, okay, great. So long story short, we opened up a different account under you know a different name legally, of course. I'm not going to say which name it is. Because I don't want them shutting it down, but uh, this is how you have to go around this, these people. You know, this, what are you going to supposed to do? You know, what, what do you? You know, yeah. Everybody uses PayPal, right? It, it's it does seem to me that they're really uh, they they haven't learned the whole lesson that led to the enlightenment and the toleration of uh, of free speech and free thought. And that lesson is that when you don't allow free speech and free thought, you create a kind of a pressure cooker situation that can explode. You know, it's it, in terms of like individuals saying, you know, getting pissed off and shooting some people. And I still, you know, honestly, I understand why they feel that way. Yeah. Uh, like, don't advocate it, but I know I'm not advocating it, but I'm just saying that if you, if you persecute a hundred people in this way, it's likely that one of them is going to come shoot up your office. It's, you know, right. maybe two. I don't know why it wouldn't be more right. like 50. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so, and, in, in but, my but, case, that's yeah. the way it is. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. But, but, but then more importantly, you know, you create a whole culture of fear uh, where people get angry and you get all these angry people. And why is it surprising that they're you know, bursting into the Capitol, you know, on January 6th? That's because they're angry. You're giving them a reason to be angry. If you let them speak their minds and spout out their views uh, without persecuting them, uh, as long as they're peaceful and 
they express whatever opinions they want and you don't interfere with their doing that, then they let off the pressure and the steam and you have a society that doesn't have that liability and that brittleness that can cause societies to break out into violence or to fall apart. And our society is really starting to fall apart. It's getting brittle. The fault lines are getting worse. And I think this process of persecuting people for free speech rather than supporting free speech is a big reason for it. On that note, I'll let you go, Kevin. I want you to have a fantastic week. Um, I wish you all the best this week. Stay warm in Wisconsin. Is it cold over there? It's uh, just cold enough to ski. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Okay, have a great day. Okay, you too, John. Take care. If you enjoyed this presentation, hit the like button now. Also, share it with your friends. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. VT approves this message.